Listeners, before we start our normal episode today, we have some sad news from the gaming world. Tabletop gaming and board gaming legend Greg Stafford has sadly passed away. He founded Chaosium to publish his board game, White Bear and Red Moon, a.k.a. Dragon Pass. Since then, worked on Pendragon, Ghostbusters, Pris Valiant, and of course, Chaosium does the Call of Cthulhu RPG. I think the best quote that we've read about him uh, goes to John Wick, another great RPG author. And he says, quote, the older I get, the more I hear young RPG designers say, that's never been done before. And then I just point at something Greg Stafford did a few decades ago. Our hearts are, of course, with his family, and we urge you to remember Greg the way that he would have wanted to have been remembered, which is through his games. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the wooden stake plunged deep into the heart of my evil, evil vampire, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Welcome, Jonathan. You know, that just makes you a big stick. Nice, but it's in the chest of a vampire, plunged through its beating undead heart instead of in the butt, so that is far <laughs> superior. Wow, it's very specific. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I meant to say mud, but butt came out. Whoops! <laughs> no stick in the butt. Stick in the butt. A phrase. I, I, yes, I yes, it is. Yes, it is. It means you're no fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we want to start this episode off with a humongous thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and help us keep making this awesome, fun content. And uh, hey, on another note. Happy National Boston Cream Pie Day. When this comes out, it should be Boston Cream Pie Day, which, incidentally, is my favorite type of cake. You've literally broken the bakery section of my brain. Yeah, Boston Cream Pie is a cake, much like cheesecake is a pie. So there you go. Well, and I see you've put some additional food facts into uh, into the script today, because today is National Cheese Curd Day. You know, it was only just recently that I tried cheese curds for the first time. How, how was that experience for you? Oh, my God. I can't believe I've been missing them all these years. They're so good. <laughs> they're, they're a stupid level of good. Well, that that is right now today when we're recording this is National Cheese Curd Day. But for those of you in the future past who are listening to this on Tuesday, a week from now, it is Boston Cream Pie Day, which I will be enjoying a Boston Cream Pie. Again, my favorite type of cake. Well, either way, Robert, I can feel my ass expanding. So... Let's move on with the rest of the episode. Uh, so episode 50 is coming up. Woo! We're, we're doing an AMA, and here's the problem with the AMA. Friend of the show, Ray Greenlee, has asked us all the questions. We might as well make it the Ray Greenlee show, which is somewhat ironic, I guess. Maybe Alanis Morissette irony based off of what's coming up in, in a few minutes. But regardless, uh, ask us some questions. It's on our Facebook group, or you can, like, I don't know, tweet them at us. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to check the Facebook page on the uh, the Facebook comments. So, yes, ask us some questions. We will answer anything. Ray, Ray decided to, like, like put, put the fire on my feet. He, uh, he asked me one that uh, I, I said, ask us anything, and boy, did he. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time to know what we mean. Ah. Well, tonight, of course, we are continuing part two of our FMD spoopy 
Halloween spectacular. Now nah, you screwed up last episode. I did. I said the uh, when we were talking about Ravnica and all the news, I said the order domain was Boros, and it totally isn't. It's Azorius, and if you don't know what I mean, then we'll just move right along because it doesn't really matter. It's just one small thing that I, I got called out on by my magic I wanna, friend. I, I so want to see you, you do that uh, self-flogging thing that they did in the, uh, what was it, Angels and Demons or one of those movies. No, no it was the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the, the Albino. Code. Yeah. Yeah, the Albino, just like whip in the back. No, I, I, I don't have that much that much faith in my ability to not screw up no man paul <laughs> bettany he's played some weird characters man <laughs> you just made me think of that right i mean like he's the albino killer priest monk guy he's uh he's jarvis he's jarvis he's he's uh he's vision he's the imaginary ba- uh, the imaginary guy in a uh, beautiful game yeah that's uh whew, that's quite a litany of uh, odd characters yes yes well, as always, Robert, we're going to kick off this episode with our off-the-shelf segment. Um, this is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the fun stuff that we've taken off of our shelves and put onto our tables. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started with the basics. Are you still playing The Living Daylights out of Dragon No, I told you last episode I beat it. Well, I don't know if that means <laughs> that you go back to it again, because you told me that you beat it and then you start over. No, 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 it, it. That was with the uh, that was with the yeah spoilers, but no 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 122 hours I was done like that that was it I did I did everything unless they add in like a game plus or some other shenanigans and a patch but yeah other I I have actually deleted it off my PlayStation so no it's it's done because right. I I haven't touched it in two weeks well then what have you been playing instead I'm in this like weird zone where I want like another role playing game but I just can't find one that's a good sync up so for whatever reason I started playing Tropico Five instead. <laughs> very specific uh okay 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 i'll tell you why i started playing tropico 5 so i watch i I watch a a youtube channel called geekism and uh and my buddy does too and the guy who runs it his name is uh his his handle is jaunty sparrow because he is incredibly british he has what we call the jaunty effect which is you watch his stream and he plays games so poorly that you want to a strangle him and b do it right and i can't play tropico 6 because it's uh, i don't even think it's out yet but it's on pc but i had tropico 5 as part of like playstation free game of the month and so i booted that up and i'm like i can do this better than you and so i started playing tropico 5 just to kind of pass the time and it started scratching that like building city itch that i get every so often which was nice but i it's been about a week since i i picked that up at this point like i, I played it a bunch and then i i kind of I, I sort of just progressed to the end and I'm like, yeah, no, 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 I think I'm done. I, I've, I've kind of gotten what I want. I need to get out of this. And now I'm just kind of playing Pokemon Go. That's all I've been doing. Do you want me to break you? Sure. Civ 6 is available on your phone and on what? your iPad. And it's the whole what? game. And there are, there are no shortcuts. It is the entirety of Civ 6. And it's good. That's bad news for me. I, I, I just one more turn Civ games very very badly i told you i would break you i would break you and now I he's have. like hitting steel okay no i still have to buy the thing and 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 also i have to remember to do it after we record which with my swiss cheese dad brain that is not at all likely well that's why i'm doing fun stuff like sending you this screenshot yeah, but again, you got to like do it tomorrow when i have some free time or or later tonight but see if i do it today I'll do it often. Okay. Okay. We'll see. 
Well, we'll see. We'll see if uh, we'll see if you inception me next time in episode fifty, which will be our Ray Greenley asks us questions episode. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've, I've been playing Pokemon Go. Oh, oh, I got a fun story for for Pokemon Go though. I got a fun story. Okay, so there's a gym right by our house, right? You know about gyms. You played the Pokemon Go. I am. I'm now up to date and up to speed on it. Although I haven't had a lot of chances to uh, keep up to date with it this week. Yeah, well, there's a big update coming. A whole bunch of new Pokemon are about to be added in, but that will be a story for next time because it's not live yet. So there's a gym near my house, and we have gotten into kind of a hot war with another couple that was playing. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stamina are their names. Like, is that their legit name or the pet name that you gave them? That, that, that's their, their handle on, on the game. Is ah. It's Mr. Stamina and Mrs. Stamina, so we call them the Staminas. So one night we were out for a walk because uh, we were going to go down uh, to actually just the convenience store because there's a lot of Pokemon in the parking lot there, and it's just far enough to kind of feel like you've gone on a good walk, you know, there and back. We're getting close to the gym, and I noticed there's some fighting going on in the gym with our Pokemon, and, and I'm like, you know, I don't really mind, because I, I was going to hit, hit Gold Cap. I, I hit Gold Cap on, on the day long ago, so if they kicked me out of the gym, it was just going to give me money, and it was before midnight, so I was actually kind of glad about it, but we walk by, and in a car, I see another couple, and I'm like, oh my god. Are those the Staminas? So we walk over, and we get in a chat with them, and they turn out to be a delightful couple, and I can't hate them anymore, because they're nice. <laughs> and uh, and we we sat around and talked for like about an hour and a half, I think, and and talked about Pokemon Go, and you know just just kind of shot the breeze with them, and it was weird. We had this like weird connection because we we were like internet rivals or Pokemon Go rivals. It was it was fascinating, and it's it's a fascinating facet to this Pokemon Go experience that you you kind of like get to know people in a weird way, and then when you actually run into them, you have something to talk about, and it, it's it's engaging. You know, it's like it's engaging with other people with technology. Who would have thought? Like finally, something actually brings us together, and it turns out it's Pokemon Go. I mean, I'm glad that you didn't kill him. <laughs> I would have killed him in real life, but it was fun because there was a, there was a time the way you spoke of them that that I thought that you were going to have to bring down the thunder. <laughs> I have talked about them. You, <laughs> you have. You have talked about them before, and it wasn't good. <laughs> so, people, Pokemon Go is like magic. So go play it. It's it's oddly engaging. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, there's no reason for me to give this game even the time of day, and yet I do find myself playing it regularly. In fact, the other day I was running an errand, and I went out of my way to go to a parking lot where I knew there were four, uh, four Pokestops. so what have you been playing jonathan i have been sucked back into overwatch you got me back into overwatch and i'm having a great time and trying to get halloween loot boxes which is fun uh i got the uh, loot box that makes uh the new character into a gill man nice nice yeah doomfist that's a good skin that makes me happy because i love me some fish man yeah yeah that's good that's good stuff i i have not been very lucky in my loot boxes i i played a little overwatch i think i've gotten like five or six and i have not gotten anything cool out of them uh i'm also continuing to play forza horizon 4 which is super super fun not really reinventing the wheel from one two or three but um really just class fun especially when you play it online with other people it's great i love dumb arcade racers like that the new season of Fortnite is in full swing we're in week three i think and uh so i'm chasing all the little challenges there which has been fun and then the other day, somebody convinced me to download Call of Duty for Black Ops. Mm, how's that going? Well, if Fortnite and PUBG and COD had a baby, this would be it. Weird. There's no campaign. There's no story. 
but it looks like PUBG in one of the modes, and then it looks like normal Call of Duty uh, multiplayer in another one of the modes, but it all plays super fast, like Call of Duty. So I have to say it's an improvement over Player Unknown. Hmm. Weird. So they have the, the Battle Royale mode where you get dumped into the map and you start with nothing, and then you have to run around and pick up basic weapons and then pick up everything you need. Um, there are vehicles. There's helicopters and um, quad bikes and trucks, and I'm having a lot of fun. Hmm. Intriguing. I don't know. I don't know if it's full price fun <laughs> yet, but I guess you know we'll see if it has legs. We'll see if it keeps my attention. I mean, honestly, if I get thirty hours of fun out of it, then you know, two bucks an hour. That's 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 that's. I'm willing to live with that. Dragon Quest man, one hundred twenty-two hours of fun out of sixty bucks. Yeah, but you did it in such a small time frame. That's what blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I went in on that one pretty hard. I, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. I would talk crap about it, except that I know Battlefield Five's coming out, and that'll be me. I really am not going to say anything, because I know that'll be me soon. Because you remember, Jonathan, when you point a finger at me, you point four right back at, or three right back at yourself. But I have all my fingers. That's true. That's true. So I guess technically I'm pointing two at you, because the two. thumb's kind of pointed more at the person you're pointing at. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said three. I, I corrected myself back to three. Yeah, but then the you should have either... said that I point two fingers at you. See, when I point, the thumb goes up. I don't have the thumb line up. Oh, so you're, just, you're, you're pretending to shoot me. That's right. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pointing. I, I'm so confused with what's going on. You're not on. Shooter McGavin, Robert. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I don't know where this is going, but I like it. I don't know where it's going either. All right, well, let's follow it You know what's hilarious about this, Jonathan? By the way, you know what's hilarious about this, Jonathan? You said, you told me, you told me with your voice to to be concise. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at, uh, what the hell is that drug called? Hypocrisy? No, no, no. (laughs) Ambien? No, not Ambien. Ritalin? No. What's the one that they make meth out of? Sudafed? Sudafed, yeah. This episode is brought to you by your friends over at Sudafed. I've taken a lot of Sudafed as of late because I am, uh, oh man, I am, I'm just, I hate allergies. I'll just leave it at that. It's been, according to the weatherman, it's been cold over there, right? Uh, well, it was 85 yesterday and then today mm-hmm. it was 40. Ah, that's Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Texas. Ah. So I walked, I walked out of the house this morning and I promptly turned around and said, nope. And I had to be convinced to leave again. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Not when just six hours previous I had gone out with my dog in my truck and was driving around with the windows rolled down, having a good old time. Six nice. hours later, it was 40 degrees. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I like okay. it. I like it. I like it. By the way, uh, did you see the photo that uh, listener Will sent us the other day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one. This one. He texted me this, too. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about how magical time in the 80s. And nothing says the 80s West Coast like a cyborg RoboCop uh, using his metallic fist to choke out a child with a smirk on his face. At a West Coast video. The 80s, people. There was a lot of coke going on back then. Yeah, this is, this is from the time period, of course, who brought you a, a, a weekly drama about a cop that turns into animals and, <laughs> and fights crime. So, I mean, really? Are we so, are we so you know, shocked at this? <laughs> What I'm more impressed by is the uh, pictures in the background of the uh, of the VHS tapes. Look at how huge those are. Yeah, I know. It's so good. Did I tell you what one of my kids said to me a little while back? No. What one of your kids say to you? So one of the kids, I'm, I'm cleaning some stuff up in the office, and I come across an audio CD. <laughs> okay. And uh, one of the kids says, what movie is that? And I said, no, baby, this just has music on it. <laughs> 
she looks at me like I'm the one losing my mind, right? Like I'm broken. She looks mm-hmm. at me and just says, no, dad, what movie is this? <laughs> <laughs> so I, of course, had that initial, oh, you little. So then I had to explain that there was a time when movies didn't come on discs and that only music came on discs. And then I showed them a tape like from a, you know, like a classic tape and how that worked. And they blew their mind. You know, it's funny. I don't have a CD player in the house anymore. I had to go out in to my house. car because I don't have one in the house either. I don't have an optical drive on any of my computers for crying out. Yeah. Off. Yeah. You know what happens when you put a CD into your PlayStation four? It doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. This vulgarity will not stand and spits it out. <laughs> That's right. This tastes like archaic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Insulin peasant. Bring me a Blu-ray. <laughs> I'll choke down a DVD if I must. <laughs> but only if I want to slum it. <laughs> Playstations are assholes. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. That's, that picture is classic, actually. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Thank you, listener, Will. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Will. <laughs> So any RPGs, sir? Because I've done some RPGs. No, no RPGs. I'm boring. Aw. I tried to get you into uh, Mutant City Blues with us for the playtest. Yeah. But I, you were it's busy. It's not that I don't want to. I just haven't had time. You know, we got all these kids sports now. I mean, all four kids are in different sports. Carlos is in soccer three nights a week. Sophia's one night a week. Lincoln's one night a week. But hey, fun fact, that's not the same night. You should just get your kids into magic. A, they won't have money for drugs. And B, um, you know what's nice? It, you, you have to take them down to the game store. And that's fun. That's always fun. Yeah, I can't be trusted at the game store, man. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But see, that's why magic's better. That's why magic's better. There's no right answer here. I can't win this. Soccer. <laughs> I keep seeing the press release for that Party Bugs game, and I kind of need it in my life. <laughs> It, I, I, I had my window open, ready to go for for my news bites later, and there's the little party bugs. And now I'm looking at the little cockroach with the Elvis hair, and I need him. I need him, Robert. All right, Sudafed, Sudafed, rein it in, rein it in. This is my segment. This is mine, and you're taking it from me. We're play He's testing Mutant City six Blues. Legs, Robert. Which is all I can six say about legs. that. I no, Jonathan. No, you're bad. <laughs> And I played some more 5th edition. We played some more Eberron, which was fun. So there you go. I played RPGs. And I'm spent. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't take long. No. Bum, bum, ba, bum, bum. Wow. All right, so movies and TV, sir. What have you been doing? Uh, I could love to tell you about it, but I inadvertently covered up the window where I'd written down my carefully crafted notes uh, with the Facebook page with Will on it. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and uh, open. Uh, let's see. Are we ready to talk about board games? No, we're talking. We're talking about movies, sir. Oh, God. Movies, 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 movies. God, it's like talking to my five-year or to my Listen, kid when she man. was five. All right, don't do drugs, <laughs> even the legal ones. I'll mess you up. So movies and TV, Jonathan. <laughs> I just don't want to feel the sinus pressure anymore, Robert. So I buckled to the peer pressure. Movies and TV, Jonathan. Um, I'm continuing my viewing of Star Trek. I'm about halfway through season seven of Next Generation and season two of uh, Deep Space Nine. 
Do you remember our homework that we had to do for this episode? Do you remember that at all, sir? We were supposed to watch Duet and then talk about it. Oh, did you watch Duet? I watched Duet! Oh, okay. So let's talk. Let's talk. Let's get okay. it. Let's get okay. coffee. All right. I got coffee. I got coffee. All right. Hold on. I'm getting the comfy in my seat because we're about to have a discussion. That's what right. did you think? Uh, I remember that episode when it originally came out. And yeah, it was... Uh, that was that that was a good that was a good episode. It's intense, it was a very right? it's a not Trek episode because you you would not see something like that in TNG. No, not at all. And that's that's really I mean honestly, that's the first time Deep Space Nine felt unique and different from Next Generation. Yeah, well, they were allowed to. They were still following that mandate that Roddenberry set down, which you know was. Uh, the Starfleet guys don't fight because they're, you know, past all that. So you, you notice a lot of the people acting, I don't know, confrontational, I guess is a good word, uh, are the Bajorans and the Cardassians. You know, it's them. And then the Starfleet personnel just kind of going like, oh, all these people, I don't know what to do about them. They need to work <laughs> out their differences. Man, that scene in the jail cell near the end where the mm-hmm. whole thing is kind of com- coming to a culmination. That's intense, man. Yeah, yeah, when Home Skillet starts to cry and, yeah. and kind of like loses it because he he's like pretending to be a monster and then he, his his little shell cracks and and yeah, you see the it's gooey all being driven by pure guilt. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. So it was a good episode. It was a good episode. I need to, I need to get back on the wagon of of watching that again. I'm still in like season 4 somewhere. I've just been busy. I'm telling you, man, we need to have a little spin-off show. You and I just watch one episode, one episode every 2 weeks. Uh, that sounds like a long-term commitment. There's a lot of Star Trek. Dude, by the time we get done with Enterprise, Discovery will probably be done with its show run. Yeah, but what if the Picard show's doing well? Yeah, but the Picard show, just, if we do it chronologically, it's going to be, like, super gone. Yeah, but then but then we won't be topical anymore, and I'll want it. it, it it's just a whole confusing mess, sir. So, so here's the one I'm excited about. Tell me about Monster Squad. Ah, okay. So I sat down and watched Monster Squad again with the kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They loved it. Of course they did. But besides that one sequence, kind of early on, when uh, when they're when well, fat kid in general. Yeah, I mean, like, look, the the movie's not without its its look. We've socially progressed over the last thirty years. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that happens yeah. actually a fair amount in the movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The, the that's kids true. are are. are you know, naming each other expletives that we just shouldn't be using anymore. And they're just in general bullying this one poor kid. Even his friends are bullying him. But if you get past that, it's only in the first like <laughs> 10 minutes of the film. The rest of the film's actually really well put together. Yes, it is. Yes, it's it is. a great, fun kids movie. It's got that same. It's got that same magic that Goonies has, except it has monsters in it instead of pirates. So did you get to have a fun talk with your kids after the movie was over and, and uh, they asked you what a version was? <laughs> yes, yes. I had to have that discussion. <laughs> I also had to explain that, that Nards was uh, in reference to uh, the nether bits. Yeah, yeah. The testicular region. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfman's got Nards. <laughs> I, I legitimately need to get that on a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. I'll go look at Redbubble later. Yeah, I'm going to have to... So while you're typing that out, uh, you watch Deadpool again, too? Uh, yeah, so um, I've got Deadpool 2 sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh my gosh, I've got several varieties of Wolfman's Got Nards shirts. Of course you do. Oh, man, what's this one? This one's got art on it. Let me look at this. <laughs> but anyway, 
Yeah, uh, I went back and watched Deadpool with Jessica because the first time we watched it, and it was not a fault of the movie. We just happened to be watching it very late at night. She fell asleep. Well, yeah, your your wife goes to bed at like six o'clock, like an old person. Yeah, I mean, my wife is basically a ninety five year old retiree. I mean, that's 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 what she is. That's the hours that she keeps. But um, I've also never met a person that can sleep on command. Like, if there's nothing going on, she'll close her eyes and be asleep. She's like, but she doesn't get the discount at, like, Denny's or anything for, for being a no, retired. No, no. It's, it's all the negatives with none of the pros. I know. I know. But, um, yeah, so uh, we watched Deadpool and she got because we wanted to watch Deadpool 2. And I said, well, I think you're going to need to get some time with the character to kind of understand where he's coming from. Mostly because I didn't want to spend the entirety of my first watch of Deadpool 2 answering questions about why Deadpool's Deadpool. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, uh, we watched Deadpool 1 again, and man, that movie holds up. It's just funny. It's just funny and well put together, and it's the perfect superhero roast. Well, you have to tell me how Deadpool 2 is. I still have not seen either movie. You haven't seen one yet? Mm-mm. No. Robert. No. No. Yeah. Bad geek. Bad. It's almost like a point of pride at this point. Like, like people are so incredulous when they say you haven't seen that, that I, I, I kind of want to be like one of those, those, those awful people who's like, I don't even own a TV. But you, <laughs> you do. You know what I mean though? Or it's like, I'm better than you because I'm not doing this <laughs> thing that everybody does. There's one here where the wolf man's all stylized and he's blue and it says got nards like, like the got milk. Sudafed. <laughs> come on, come on. Focus. Focus. I need Mr. this Sudafed. in my life. Mr. Sudafed Focus. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Have you heard of a show called The Good Place? No. Yes. I've heard the name. I can't think of who's in it. Uh, Kristen Bell's in it. And Ted Danson. Those are the two. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, I have heard of it. Okay, it's on Netflix right now, and it's amazing. You should watch it because we cannot talk about it because that show. You're not the first person to tell me. Let me get through through Star Trek 7 and 2, and then I'll take a a pause because then I'll only have to worry about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing: if 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 you need something short, the good place is good because uh, the the episodes are only half hour. It's a half hour sitcom, so you can do like the entire season in like four hours if you're feeling really up to it. And your wife would like it, I'm pretty sure. All right, cool. Then we'll watch it together. Yeah, yeah. Watch it with your wife. I think she'd like it. But um, the uh, the basic premise and 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 the show reinvents itself quite a bit. Like from season to season, even though they're only 12 episodes, but the basic premise is a uh, Kristen Bell's character wakes up and she's in like a lobby and there's a writing on the wall that says everything is fine. And then Ted Danson opens up a door and says, come on in. And Ted Danson informs her that she's dead and she's in the afterlife in the good place. And, uh, and then hilarity ensues from there. And it's just about, I can see Ted Danson being like a greeter in the afterlife. Yeah. He's one of the main characters. And, uh, the show itself is oddly about ethics and philosophy, and it's really funny. You know, I saw Ted Danson about a year ago. In real life? Yeah, no, in real life. He and his wife were in the airport in Austin, I happened to be on my way out, and I was like, I look over, and I'm like, well, there you go. That's the guy from Cheers, and he's buying a coffee. Yeah, yeah. He's 70 now, you know that? Well, he's yeah, that makes well. sense. I, told, I went over and told him I enjoyed his work in Three Men and a Baby. In any event, watch that. Jessica will like it, too. And it's a half hour, so hopefully you can keep her awake that long. Just shake her every so I think, often. I think we can make it happen. I think we can make it happen. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a surprisingly good show. I did not think I was going to be into it as I was. And it, it, it just draws you in, especially for a show about philosophy and ethics, which sounds so incredibly boring, I know. <laughs> but it's actually quite good. It's quite good. 
And if you want to have some, if you want to have some fun, go talk to Ted Danson about Three Men and a Baby because he'll get this look on his face like, "Wait, you actually watch that?" <laughs> he literally said to me, "Wow, I can't believe you remember that." <laughs> I said, hey, "It hasn't been that long." Yes, it has, Jonathan. Shut up! I'm not that yes, old. Yes, it has. No, you are that old. Ah, damn it! And also, uh, the Flash and uh, Doctor Who premiered, and they were both quite good. So yeah, I'm so far behind on both of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good time to get in Doctor Who because you can kind of skip the rest. Because oh, a new, sh- I know. new, new everybody has taken over. They've got a new doctor. They've got a new showrunner. They've got a new writers' room. They've got a new composer. There's just new everything across the board. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he quit man. too. His score was great. I, I, I completely agree. But he's been working on that show for 13 years. So he just said, you know what? It's time. Everybody else is has leaving. It been I might as well long too. Since they relaunched. Yeah, 2005 was Eggleston. Oh, man. Now, now I'm feeling old. Yeah, right? It still feels right. new. Yeah, it's not. It's not 13 years old, man. 13. Jeez. All right. Well, here goes my happiness. You're welcome. Mazel tov. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Mr. Sudafed, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's do uh, some board games. First off... I, I thought this was interesting. Remember a couple episodes ago, we mentioned that there aren't any board gaming magazines anymore. We couldn't remember one. Not in the U.S. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, listener Kenneth found us one. It's a tabletop uh, tabletop gaming. Uh, I think it's just tabletop gaming UK. It's a UK magazine. So I guess it kind of doesn't count because I don't. Do we have that? I don't even know if we have that in the States. Oh, man. Have you ever been to a Barnes and Noble recently? Like they've got nine aisles of magazines. I, I would bet money that it's there. I will take you up on that bet. How much do you want to bet? Uh, how much is how much is an Overwatch loot box? Uh, a single one. I, I think the smallest domination you can buy is five of them. And how much is that? Five bucks. All right, let's, let's do a, a five pack of loot boxes. I bet tabletop gaming is going to be at Barnes and Noble. All right, all right. And you say no? You, oh my god, this is like the predictions episode. You know what? No, no, no. I'll it's too late. You. We've gone down no, the rabbit hole. No, Just say yes. No, no, because I, I, I'm, I, I lose those horribly, and you always win. So I'm going to go with your right. I'm going to, I'm going to play the meta game. <laughs> Wait, but if you bet that I'm right, and I bet that it is, then we both win, and just need to both spend five dollars. Yeah. All right. Good. Let's do it. I'll go to Barnes and Noble this week. <laughs> if it's not there, I'm totally. Man, it say totally it. reminds me of EGM. Yeah, doesn't it? It's like, it totally. It's like EGM for board games. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's crazy. It's really kind of tripped me out. All right. All right. Well, first thing, the, the, the exciting one for me is, like, I've actually kind of played board games because over on the Facebook group, uh, Brendan was like, are any of you on one of, uh, one of these board gaming sites? Which one of them is French. Oh, and I, yeah, I, I'm not, I, that reminds me. I need to go check in. I don't think I've, I, I, I don't know if I. Yes, you're. Yeah, yeah, we're waiting for your move, mister. How do you know it's my move? Because you're the one with the hourglass by you. So, yes, we're over on uh, board game. Fair gamer. enough. That actually is legitimate. You're, you're, we're over on Board Game Arena, and uh, Ray Greenlee and Brendan and myself and you, we've been playing a game of Seven Wonders, the world's longest game of Seven Wonders. Well, I mean, it's asynchronous play. That's What do you expect? It, we're at 48 hours, and I have chosen, I believe, five cards. I wait on this thing with, with holding my breath every day, hoping that I get to play a card. Sending See, it was server. you. There it is. Boom. Oh, oh, it's doing the scoring. Uh-oh, it's doing the uh-oh, scoring. Oh, I lost a point because yeah, because Ray, Ray's going military. No, it's not Ray. I, I, I don't have to worry about Ray. I have to worry about you and Brendan. Brendan's got military. You and I are both pacifists, aren't we? Aren't we just? Man, none of these cards are good. This sucks. Yeah, I've been hate drafting quite a bit. Well, you know what? There you go. I just, paid, uh, I just paid Brendan two bucks so I could buy an army card. 
Nice. <laughs> Here's two dollars. Now my army's more powerful than yours. Oh, I don't have enough money. I can get some money. Oh, I'll hate draft. Yes. So Ray, when you're listening to this, because uh, I'm, I'm swinging down to you, I, I'm gonna se- have to send you a military card. But I'm getting rid of the better one. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is that he'll hear this after you have hopefully won the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a week from now. So anyway, yeah, if you want to join the fun, come join us on our Facebook group because we're organizing this stuff. And and we're playing a game of Carcassonne with my wife, too, because she joined up. Oh, my God, I'm so screwed. Brendan challenged me to a game of Carcassonne, and he's got a 100% rating on it. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm doomed. I haven't played Carcassonne in years. So anyway, and I, I know you guys, uh, you played Ray a game. He mentioned it, too. Yeah, we played something. Can't Stop, and I couldn't stop, Robert. I couldn't. I had a good run going, and then I I lost. <laughs> Nice. I've forgotten how much I enjoy Can't Stop. I should play that with you. You'll have to teach me how to play one of these days. Oh, man, it's totally easy. You've got um, different scoring lines, and you roll a bunch of dice, and then you choose pairs of numbers from those dice. Yeah, we talked about it. You, yeah. you, you gave it pretty in-depth. I just I just need to see it in action. Maybe I should watch a video, and then, then we'll play. Oh, totally, man. It's super simple. It's super was, simple. was this Sudafed decision-making, where you were just rolling, chucking dice and chucking dice? No, it's because I had really good percentages. So, you know, the percentages in the middle work out the best. Right. So six, seven, eight, you know, those are the ones that you want. And I had six, seven, and eight. And I went 14 rolls in a row where I had a, a winning combination. And I just got greedy. And I yeah. just had a bad roll. Yeah. And the yeah. thing is, uh-huh. if you have a bad roll, you lose all of your forward progress since the last time you said you cashed in. So yeah. I, I gambled and I lost. I'm thinking about playing that game the way my daughter plays games, where wherever she gets to a point where, like, like when she was playing Zombicide, if she got one brain, she was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, that's the way uh, that's the way Lincoln is. Lincoln's really careful. And then there's Carlos. You know, that's cool. I'm just gonna roll the dice. But dude, you already lost. Yeah, I'm just gonna roll them again because I can. I win. How often does that work? Because because Anwin has a surprising win percentage playing incredibly cautiously. Uh, it's, I'll tell you what, Lincoln wins more often than Carlos does. That's yeah. Right, Safety right. first, man. Safety first. That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, do I need to pull up the list? It doesn't look like I do. Yes, you do. Sure. Yes, you do. Because you got you got Sudafed brain. So I got to be careful here. I got to be careful. All right. Go, Jonathan. What have you been playing? Well, aside from Seven Wonders and Can't Stop, which we've already discussed, it's been kind of a slow couple weeks. Nobody's been available for a board game night. And frankly, I've been so busy because of kid sports that I haven't had time either. So I've only gotten one game in. OK, but that game is on the list, buddy. Oh, oh my. A Song of Ice and Fire. You mean that game that you played at Origins and at Gen Con? And thus, I already took it off the list Did ages ago. Did you take ago. it off the list? I took it off the list ages ago. Ah, all right. Well, I still got a chance to play it, and I really enjoyed Update, it. Update, July 17th of this year, sir, three months ago. I guess it I is took it off the list. Brain, then. We're going to chalk that up there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I had a chance to. I had a chance to get two games in and the more i play it the more i like it i think i'd like to deep dive it relatively soon so i'm not i'm gonna kind of hold my commentary suffice it to say that there is a lot of interesting there's a lot of interesting combinations to be had and the characters that are off the board and not part of the battlefield and are uh, you know basically playing the political game which is so very thematic for for song of ice and fire um, mm-hmm. They really genuinely make the game interesting in a neat and interesting way. So we'll, we'll talk more about that soon. All right, all right, is that it? Are we done? I'm like the host today. I'm like trying to keep keep. Oh man, we have reversed our polarities. Does that make you the banana man? 
mate no you're the banana man today and i i'm i'm uh, i'm the deadwood there you go <laughs> <laughs> i understand <laughs> I, I said deadwood <laughs> all right well that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment right i'm not crazy when i say that right uh no nah, that's fine all right good stuff so we will return after a short break with our wisdom of crowds our tabletop news segment do you have a tabletop board game miniature game or rpg that you're going to release for retail or do you have an upcoming tabletop kickstarter that you're about to launch we would love to interview you for a future episode of the forgot my dice podcast send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview It's time for our Wisdom of Crowds, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And uh, some interesting news this time around, and quite a lot of it. So let's, uh, let's machine gun this sucker. Fred Hicks, president, or I'm not sure what his actual job title is, over at Evil Hat. He... Super nice guy. Super nice guy, yes, very true. Uh, he posted a rather lengthy blog article the other day. Uh, basically telling, saying that they're going to pump the brakes a little bit, that they have sort of overextended themselves and that luckily they sort of caught it before it really became a problem, you know, and, you know, hit their cash reserves hard. But yeah, they let a couple people go and they canceled a few projects and they say they're just focusing on RPGs for the foreseeable future. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a very candid breakdown of their finances. I appreciated that. Actually. Yeah. I, I very much appreciated that. It was, uh, it's nice to see somebody not trying to spin it, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, good on them for catching it before it really, really messed things up. But, yeah, yeah, they, they're pumping the brakes a little bit and slowing down because of, of incidents, I guess, and cash flow problems. So, yeah, we wish them luck. I like Evil Hat. They're a great company. On a slightly happier note, uh, FFG is starting a new cycle in the Arkham Horror card game. Ooh. Yes, we are now going into a new cycle. It's called The Circle Undone, and you get to dive into the, into Arkham's past. Mm. You get to uncover a bunch of history and learn about some of the motives of the the stuff that's the, you know, quote-unquote current timeline. And it's starting out with a deluxe expansion, which, of course, gets you two new scenarios and a new investigator. And it's actually one of my favorite investigators from Mantras of Madness, which is Diana Stanley. Which one's Diana Stanley? She is a redeemed cultist. Oh! Yeah, I almost Remember? played her. Yeah. yeah, I think you played as her. I, I didn't. I was really close, but then I had to pick the nun. Yeah. <laughs> so she's now part of the prestigious order of the Silver Twilight Lodge. Fun. Okay. I, I color me intrigued. Okay, so there's an odd amount of magic news for a podcast that doesn't cover magic, but I thought this was interesting. Basically, the, uh, magic's had a lot of... I don't want to say controversy, but there's there's been some stuff going on. And as a result, hopefully, of some of that, they, they've decided to restructure their Grand Prix system a little bit. And what they're doing is, before it was just called like a, a PTQ and a Grand Prix, and you would go there and you would play. And so it's a two-day event. But Jonathan, what happens if you lose a bunch of games in a row and you've you know traveled hundreds of miles to another city to go play in this magic event and you kind of scrub out? What What, what do you have to do? crying to your pillow pretty much pretty much there wasn't a lot there wasn't a lot (laughs) you you are oddly on point so what they're doing is they're replacing that sort of it's still going to be a grand prix it's still going to be ptq but they're going to happen under the umbrella of magic fest where they want it to be a much more of like a convention feeling so they're gonna have like artist booths and cosplay contests and some of these things have already sort of taken this on but they want to like spread it 
everywhere. So if you go to one of the big events and you scrub out or say you don't even want to play one of those big events, like there's a reason for you as like a casual kitchen table player to go to one of these events because maybe you could, you know, take do a couple drafts or maybe do some fun events or, you know, just do some silly stuff like they're going to try to make the the overall umbrella over these things much larger than it was previously. So I, 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 I think that's a fascinating idea. There's a lot of Grand Prix, so it's going to be like a crazy bunch of Magic Fest happening all over the world. <laughs> you know so but i i don't know i thought that was kind of like a cool uh way to kind of try to fix the problem where they're trying to be a little bit more welcoming to the people who are, aren't as hardcore magic players to come to these events and and do fun things and and especially like cosplay and some of the other stuff that's that's you know that always makes things more fun costumes are cool especially when people make really bitchin costumes yeah that is the truth uh magic fest coming probably to a city near you because i think they do like I think there's a good dozen uh, PTQs and stuff that takes place in, in the States alone. So yeah, there, there will be one near you. <laughs> well, we get new star Wars Legion news. Ooh, we are getting two more expansions and these are actually buffs for the leaders. And it is the rebel specialists and the Imperial specialists. Okay. And what do they do? Well, it just depends on how you play them because there's a couple different ways that you can play them. First, you can use them as alternates to the more well-known heroes like Leia or Vader. Mm -hmm. Um, They're non-unique rebel and imperial officers, and they're basically just commanders. Now, they can act in two different ways. They can be added to a specific unit as its leader, so basically just leading a a unit of troops, which gives all the troops buffs. Mm -hmm. Or you can make them into a larger role as a cheap substitute for the normal commanders, which are generally named characters. So it's just basically a more generic commander type. Yeah, but they're cheaper, which means yeah. you, can, you you can you can bolster your your legion with a, a much larger troop count. Interesting. And it's kind of cool. There's droids in them. Oh, nice. Okay, I can take like that. The rebel medical droid, and then like an R R three unit. I think it is. Yeah, and if you want to do something a little bit more, you know, like if you make up campaign rules where you have like a character grow into a Leia or a Vader or whatnot, like these guys would be a good starting point for that too. I could see homebrewing something like that up. I like it. Yeah, I'm excited. This is a this game is shaping up very nicely. All right, Jonathan. So I, I thought I was on top of this magic art book business, but I found out that there is a new magic book out right now, as of when you hear this, uh, October twenty third. No, I didn't even know it was coming. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together. Uh, to be to be fair, it's not exactly up my alley. It's called The Art of Magic the Gathering Concepts and Legends, and it is an overview of magic art from alpha to now. So it'll have a little bit of everything uh, from the old, old art all the way up to now and like the best of. And it, uh, I, I've seen a couple sample pages of it, and I, I definitely need to go flip through it to see if it actually is more up my alley. But like a lot of the things they do is they, they sort of talk about like the evolution of some of the concepts, you know, so like sarah angels being the classic example you know like they have the original image of the sarah angel and they might have the original concept art i don't know how far back it goes but as they sort of redesign them over time they kind of show that progression and how the concept sort of worked out over time i don't think there's going to be like a plane shift about it because it's not a plane it's just everything for the last 25 years of magic but yeah i i I had no idea like this i i got an email uh, from from amazon they're like you you may like this and i'm like oh my gosh how did i not even hear this that's cool though yeah yeah it's called art of magic the gathering concepts and legends and it is out today when you hear this the 23rd well it turns out that z-man has a little bit of rome fever buddy go on 
we are now getting the Great City of Rome, designed by Matthew Dunstan and Brett Gilbert. Two to four players, ten plus, and you get to compete while designing and building the greatest city in the world. Ooh, fun. Yeah, so you have to go to the Emperor's Court, you get a bunch of blueprints and different materials, and then you are basically vying for the Emperor's favor, and um, you have emissaries, which I assume, based on what they've described here, to be your workers in a worker placement style game. Hmm, that's cool. You basically just build out your city. You, uh, it, This looks really neat. I like games like this. I like city building games on the PC, so now I'm curious how I will like it on a board. Well, this looks to be a good one. I'm really excited. It's got really nice art, too. I'm really, I like the art on it. What was that called again? The Great City of Rome. So, even more magic news. Uh, they have announced that Greg Wiseman is writing a novel simply titled Ravnica, which should be the storyline from the sound of it of the current Ravnica block. And it's going to be an actual factual physical novel that you can buy and read instead of something on the internet. And it's the first physical book uh, of a storyline that they've released in eight years. Uh, they did wow. they did a comic book for a while that would kind of that kind of subbed in for that, but and they did some digital novellas. But this is the first one that will be released in print in quite a while. And, and Greg Wiseman, he's he's a pretty big guy. He's written um, he's written a lot of comic books, uh, Young Justice, uh, the the Canaan, the I forget what the the subtitle of that comic was, but it was for uh, Rebels. And uh, he's done some World of Warcraft novels. So yeah, yeah, they they're they're putting some they're putting some umph back in this, and it should be I think it was April of next year is is when it's going to be out so yeah check that out if you are if any of our talk of ravnica or if you're a new fan of ravnica because of the book that's coming out soon for D, like yeah go ahead and check that out because it's it's going to be a hoot you want some more extended universe go ahead we're getting a new adventure system board game from WizKids. it takes place in the dungeons and dragons universe mm-hmm. dungeon of the mad mage oh based off of the new module that's coming out soon it joins the likes of Castle Ravenloft, The Legend of Drizzt, Wrath of Ashardalon. 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 Hello, Mr. Sufed. Wrath of Ashardalon. There you go. Temple of the Elemental Evil and Tomb of Annihilation. Nice. I, I need to play my copy of uh, Castle Ravenloft. I've had that for years, and I just n- haven't done it. Well, it's one to five players, 14 plus. Um, there's also going to be a new type of card called the Bane slash Boon card. Mm. Um, new traps, new spell decks. A bunch of improvements. Uh, you can now reach level four with your characters. Ooh. And here's the cool part. You can finally tackle the earlier, harder games with characters more capable of handling them. So it's backwards compatible with the other games. That makes sense because they all use the same sort of yep. system. So very cool. And they're going to be releasing a premium edition in March, and it's going to have pre-painted minis. Ooh. I like, I like, I like. So quick, I, I guess I have a news bite for you. Uh, Robert J. Schwab, who uh, he, he worked on a lot of uh, D&D stuff, and then he went on to leave uh, Wizards of the Coast and do the Shadow of the Demon Lord RPG. Uh, he has launched a new imprint called Max Press, and uh, it's going to be for he's going to make fifth edition D&D stuff, but he's going to make it all dark and spooky like Shadow of the Demon Lord. I love why he named it Max Press because he th- he he thought it was funny because in old second edition D&D one of the things that your strength score told you was your max press which is like you know how much weight you could press you know how much you could lift bra and he named it after his uh, his his favorite cat who died his name was Max so it's Max Press or Max Press depending on how you look at it which I think is amusing I wanted to share it I like it 
Well, you know how much I like Scythe, and if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you'll all know how much I love Scythe. You love Scythe? Yes. Well, we get new Scythe. Ooh, go on. Scythe Encounters. Mm Mm-hmm. So this started in June of this year as an invitation for fans to design encounter cards for the game. Okay. Those are the random cards that you find when you're, you know, roaming around the countryside. Right, right, right. This is a collection of the 32 best entries. Oh. And it's coming out in December of this year. You know, I love the Jamie Stegmeyer. I love how on he, he he's very participatory on his uh, the fan pages, you know? I mean, I see him pipe up in Charterstone and all those a lot. And then, you know, when he sees a good idea, he's, you know, he, he doesn't have, like, the ego to say, like, well, I didn't come up with it. You know, he's like, that's a good idea. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the campaign expansion for Scythe is all 100% from a fan. Yeah. Yeah. And so is the, the one with the airship. Same with the airship. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got respect for that guy. He, he's got he's got a good head on his shoulders. I like that. I like that he's because, uh, you know, it's kind of easy to get wrapped up in your own ego. But that, that guy doesn't do it. He just sees a good idea for a game he wrote. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's develop this. I like it. Let's put yeah you know he's he's just very he's he's like come on come in for a hug guys we'll we'll do this all together i i dig that about that guy and and he gets great games out of it like like what could go wrong <laughs> no it's le- legit absolutely the day is here you want to hear you want to hear something i never thought i would hear in a million years but we are here right now today you ready for it oh <laughs> i'm almost terrified okay okay hold on let me let me bring something up so i can get the company name right so today, D and D Beyond and Encounter Role Playing have announced that they are going to fire up a online tournament with a five thousand dollar prize pool for Dungeons and Dragons called D and D Sport. How does that even work? Okay, so if you know your gaming history, um, a lot of the early modules, uh, specifically the Slave Lord series and the Tomb of Horrors, were part of competitive D&D back in the day. The idea was you'd get a bunch of adventurers together, they would play adventures, um, and they would try to go through like a series of adventures, and, and teams would get eliminated, and whoever came out at the last adventure on top one and they've said that's kind of going to be the structure but okay so this this is this is what they've said imagine two parties like adventuring parties fighting for opposite sides find themselves in the same dungeon uh it's killed or be killed and what will they do to survive uh, it's going to be an online tournament, you know, obviously because of D&D to Beyond, uh, with a grand prize of five grand. And over the course of four weeks, 16 players will compete in teams of four in single elimination games. Each game is the best of three arena battles played via Roll20. So it sounds like it's going to be like character on character. And uh, they're going to have full rules soon. They're still kind of play testing it. But like uh, like MOBAs, uh, like, you know, when you play um, uh, League of Legends, if you play in the competitive things, one of the things you can do uh, during like a draft is you can also take player take certain characters out of the rotation before you even start. So they're going to have like a bunch of uh, they say they're going to have 15 pre-generated characters. And one of the things you can do is you can take certain characters out of the pool so nobody can pick them, including your team or the other team. And uh, yeah, it sounds it sounds weird, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I want to read these rules, but this just got announced today. But yes, yes, competitive Dungeons and Dragons is here, my friend, and and it's going to be you know live on the internet at some point. I am curious. I, I, I definitely need to see more. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sure by the next episode the rules will be posted and and we can we can digest them a little bit. Maybe maybe do like half a se- wait. Well, next episode will be 50, so that'll be the AMA. So Ray, it'll be the Ray Greenlee show. So Ray, if you'd ask us about that, so we can digest it a little bit next episode. Otherwise, we'll have to push it to 51. Well, you ready for one last thing? I'm ready for one last thing. 
We have a board game of The Hunger Games. <laughs> nice. The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, the board game. Nice. So it's from River Horse. Um, oh, okay. It's a strategic game, two to four players. And I, I'm not a, a Hunger Games fan, it should be said. Uh, there, I guess you, you are vying for control of 14 districts in Panem. Oh, oh, it's that. Weird. Okay. Yeah, the capital begins with the upper hand and controls all the districts, and then you, you just kind of chip away at it. Oh, oh, it's it's the... Oh, intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And it looks like all the major characters from the game are represented. There's a bunch of minis. It's a dude's on a map game for the look of things. Nice. River Horse has done a lot, yeah? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the My Little Pony Company, among other things. This game actually looks really good. The, the minis look fantastic. Yeah, yeah. When you said River Horse, I'm like, oh, tell me more. Yeah, they did Terminator Genesis, the miniatures game. They did Bolt Action. Mm-hmm. They did, oh my God, my dog won't stop barking. No, that that's the game I made. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your real life. That's not a game, sir. Ah, dang it. Oh, they did the Pacific Rim Extinction game. Mm-hmm. Stop it. What? They have a Highlander, the board game, coming out. Yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Crowds, which means it's now time for a year in the life. This is, of course, our segment where we look at what we deeped over a year ago, and we have 365 seconds to talk about it. Forgot My Dice, episode 25, You Shall Not Pass. We interviewed Mr. Ray Greenlee. Friend of the show, Ray Greenlee. Friend of the show. Asker of all the questions, except for one, but that was more... The voice of a god. Yeah. Oh, oh my. Yes, yes. Teller of tales. Man among men. Colossus, if you will. And a pretty dope, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. True that. True that. We should have him on the show again. Ray. Uh, I'm down. Anytime. Ray. Ray. Remind us to ask you, ask you to be on the show again because we've got or we got dad brain real bad. And we need to do it before Jonathan gets that double dose of dad brain in February. Oh man, that's the truth. That's <laughs> the truth. Uh, it's been it's been quite a few years since I had a since I had a little one in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of there right now. You're Mr. Sudafred brain today. So so there you go. Ray, we need to get back on the show because of like synchronicity and, and whatnot. And we're playing games together now. We're like totally bros. Do you know what I just uh, watched on the internet? What did you just watch on the internet? <laughs> Somebody getting tased at 28,000 frames per second. Ow. What does this time. have to do with Mr. Ray Greenlee, friend of the show at all? Nothing. It's just coincidence that it happened to be on and, and I just was watching it in the background while we were talking. So getting tased at 28,000 volts in super slow motion reminds no, no. me of Ray Green. 28,000 frames per second. Oh, yeah. Jonathan, you, you need to get off the get sauce. Get it right. You need to get off the sauce, man. We're doing it live. Play us out, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> what did, so we didn't deep dive anything because we had Ray on, right? Yeah, yeah, we just chatted with him. There's really nothing to discuss this time. <laughs> no, I don't know why you're still talking. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I gotta get off the drugs. <laughs> Tell you what, to, to provide synergy, I'll go get some of that, that dank Portland weed, and, and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll be all weird next. Uh, actually, yeah, no, I won't be that interesting. I'll just be kind of like, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I can't even laugh. <laughs> damn allergies all right well that is obviously a sign that this segment has come to a rather horrifying conclusion so without any further ado we will be right back after a short break where we get to deep dive one of my most favorite games of all time <laughs> 
we love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following. You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash fmdpodcast. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com. You can also message us or tweet us on Twitter. Find us at forgotmydice. You can join us on Patreon, where we post outtakes and other bonus content. And if you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Store. Lastly, for those of you who want control to sanction the podcast, pick up your shoe phone and call Agent 82. Chief, it's acceptable to get podcasts on our wristwatches. It won't be distracting. Uh, I, I just don't even know what's happening right now. Well, it's classified, Jonathan. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, we've got to get these things upgraded from the 1960s. And we are back, and it is now time for our deep dive. And in this episode, Robert, we are deep diving one of my most favorite games, potentially of all time. I would put this in my top five easily, and not just this edition, just this game in general. Yeah, you were telling me about it when we were playing it. So what's the game, Jonathan? Don't leave our readers in Sudafed suspense. Fury of Dracula. So yes, we, we are talking about uh, the old edition of Fury of Dracula. There is a new one coming soon. Uh, we can't find an exact release date yet, but uh, everything is pointing to this quarter, hopefully. So cross your fingers. We, on the internet, they, they, it appears they've released the rulebook for the new edition. And, and you and I were kind of pawn through, and it doesn't look like too much has changed in the rules itself. No, no, it looks like the same game with just some clarifications on some of the wording of the rules. Yeah, yeah, and there, there was a handy-dandy website that actually put them both side-by-side side and highlighted the changes, which yeah, was really really handy. Um, I'll, I'll put a link to it on the, uh, in the show notes if you're, if you're curious. But yeah, everything we were kind of flipping through, it's just clarifications, nothing, it, you know, like there, there's entire par- paragraphs that are like revised, but they're not, they're saying the same thing or just trying to make it clear. So yay. So what we're going to do in this deep dive is, yes, we were playing the previous edition. We are going to try not to go too far down the rabbit hole of stuff that may not be in the newer edition. You know, we're going to, we're going to focus on the big picture, which is the game itself, which is fine. Cause it's quite a good game. Oh man. This game is so good. It is 1898. London has returned to peace for eight years following Count Dracula's thwarted plans, or so they thought. In Fear of Dracula, one player's Count Dracula secretly traveling the European countries, turning humans into vampires with his gruesome bite, and laying deadly traps for those hunting him. The Count's opponents are the hunters who must find the bloodthirsty villain and destroy him before his undead thralls claim the night is their own. So Jonathan, let's go through this game. You've played it for years. Describe the setup. Okay, setup's pretty straightforward. You put out the board. The board's a big, giant board of Europe. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of cards. And there's a couple different decks in play at any given time. So you place out the board, and the board's pretty much just a big map of Europe. And it's really neat. The art on it's great. It's very stylized to look like an old 1800s map. On the board, you'll see an influence track. That track basically shows how much influence Dracula has uh, at any given time. It starts pretty low at zero. You'll also see that that influence track is ruled by a clock. And as you move forward through the turns, that clock advances. Every time that clock advances through the week and manages to get to the end, Dracula gains a bunch more influence. And this is important because once that influence track is filled up, Dracula starts getting victory points automatically at the end of every round. Yeah, it'll be even if he, for whatever reason, has zero 
if you don't stop him by then he'll win within like five or six turns like it's it's nothing next up you'll assign roles to the to the players now there's there's two types of players in this game one person's going to play as dracula and then the other person's going to play uh or the other person or people will play as the heroes of the game so when you sign up uh to become a hero you get a mini and you get hunter cards and hunter cards are basically items and um they also have different symbology for fights and that all gets put together into a deck and then dracula gets a different set of components so dracula gets a deck of cards that is uh the location card deck and that basically has a card for every place on the board and that's important because as dracula travels around he has to put those location cards down on the board face down and that forms a trail. And if at any point any of the heroes crosses that trail, then that card gets revealed, and that's how the heroes get a clue as to where Dracula is. Because the whole point of the game, you see, is Dracula is running away long enough to build up enough influence to take over. And the hunters are actively trying to stop him by um, finding him and hunting him down. Then you put out a bunch of tokens. The tokens are basically for things like um, health and different status effects. And then there are, of course, the encounter cards, which are going to be drawn at the end of every round, which um, help to define kind of what's going on in the world. Sometimes they are... Well, you, you played as the encounter. Do you tell me about the encounters that you had? Well, there, there were a couple times that you laid a... You, you, there were vampires that were in our way. You know, swarms of bats. Yeah, your, your typical vampiric fare. And sometimes it was nothing at all. But you kind of have to deal with those things because if uh, they get to the end of the track, then uh, you get victory points, which is bad. Yeah, if, if Dracula gets his hands on an encounter card, um, they're, they're basically different things that he can do. And when you put a location card down on the track, the encounter card piggybacks with it. Mm-hmm. And if it takes the hero getting to that city and actively burning an action to investigate to reveal what that encounter card is. And then the heroes have to fight it as well. So generally speaking, it's a race against time. Everything in this game is a race against time. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much it for the setup. I mean, there's not a ton of setup to this game. Your turn is basically, there's a day-night cycle. Uh, everybody, every character sort of has an initiative order. And I believe it was the heroes that are come in the box are Lord Gambling, a.k.a. Arthur Holmwood, Dr. Jack Seward, followed by Van Helsing, and then last to go is Mina, if I remember correctly. Yes. Basically, you have a turn that takes place during the day. The day is the only time you can travel. As, as the humans, as the hunters. As the humans, yes. And then you have a nighttime turn. You can't travel, but you can do pretty much anything else. You can investigate, you can heal up a little bit, you can uh, you know, get tr- tickets, you can get items, that type of stuff. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. You, know? you basically just kind of spend your time moving about the map and trying to figure out where things are. And the beginning of the game is kind of desperate because you, <laughs> you have all of Europe in front of you. And there's only four of you. And there's only four of you, so you kind of you kind of just have to sort of explore Europe until one of you picks up the scent. And the only thing you really have to go on is the location cards are red, but if you if Dracula hops in the ocean and starts taking a boat, uh, he has to put blue ones down, so you know he's on the water at that point. And that's kind of your only clue uh, visually about where he is until you just happen to chance upon him. And there's different cards that you can get that will reveal some information, like the the way we crack the case. I managed to get a card that would reveal the fifth uh, thing down the down the track, 
And basically we didn't find any sign of Dracula. You were playing your job very well. And we got to turn five and I played it to reveal where you were. And that's when we started logicking it out. And, and it, you know, it gave us a focus to kind of like start poking around at. And, and that is one of the greatest things about the game because the game acknowledges the fact that the hunters are going to have a hard time. So the tools are there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm assuming there's other cards in the deck. I think I, I vaguely remember pulling some later in the game. It's just they weren't as useful when we would get them. And, and some of them are character specific, too. So, you know, some of them say this card can only be used by Arthur. And it's like, well, shoot, I have to go trade it to him if I'm not playing that character. And you could trade cards and, you you know, you could do very standard actions. Um, the trick of the game is when you fight like Dracula himself or even another vampire, um, the vampires generally are way stronger than the pathetic human hunters. So you have to kind of gang up on them. So when you decide to go take out a vampire, you have to like really decide to go take out a vampire and do it all together. So it, it's, it's interesting because, you know, part of you wants to keep tracking Dracula down, but sometimes a couple of people need to get together to, to deal with a, va- a lesser vampire. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, well, and, and you have to, because you know, that basically Dracula is constantly working and advancing his agenda. Mm-hmm. You're, you're forced into a situation as the human players. And this is what I love so much about it, where you, you have to weigh the risks of letting the agenda push forward and finding Dracula and killing him. Or putting a stop to the agenda because it's it's piling up too much. So tell me about the Dracula phase. What do you do during the Dracula phase? Well, it just depends on the on on the the turn because a couple different things can happen. So the first thing that you do as Dracula is you do your movement step and you slide all the cards on the trail up one, and anything that falls off the end, if there's an encounter card attached to it, that encounter card gets enacted. And that's open information. Like you flip it at that point. Yeah, at that point it's flipped and 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 it's activated. And if it has an encounter point associated with it, then you get those points. What's the ratio, by the way? Because it happened a couple times to us, but it wasn't. It didn't seem that bad. Uh, it, what kind of ratio? What do you mean? Well, what kind of ratio are the ones that give you points versus ones that don't give you much of anything? Gosh, you know, I don't know about the percentages there. I really don't. Well, what, gut, gut reaction. Does it feel 50-50? Does it feel no. like 70-30? It feels more like, yeah, it's 70 65 45 60 40 somewhere in there yeah so slightly more are worth nothing and so you're, you're kind of trying to also put things on the board so you can protect your assets that's interesting i like that and it's kind of a guessing game on your part of what well, the- yeah yeah you're, you're trying to obfuscate your trail at the same time you can go on the offensive if you want and take the the hunters out i chose not to that game because i was not in the best position to do that so there's a lot of different things that you can do you you can go on the offensive you can smear your trail, um, or you can try and advance your agenda. But yeah, for, for Dracula, it's real simple. You, you take your movement step where you put a movement card down, and then if you're going to, you can play an, an encounter card, and you put that face down on the first, place of the, tra- uh, the first space of the trail. Real quickly, let's go over how combat works. So combat's pretty straightforward. There's, there's a, a bunch of um, combat icons that appear on combat cards, and they're on the left-hand side. When you do combat, each player chooses a single combat card to play okay now if you've got more than one hunter involved with dracula then both of you are going to choose a card yeah and you really need to do that we we fought dracula with like two people and that was not enough (laughs) no because dracula is a super super powerful being of course that makes sense right so once uh once the combat cards are chosen you're going to reveal and then you're going to look at the different icons and you're going to compare them with each other so dracula always goes first the only ex- exception to that is if the hunters choose a card that has the exact same icon as the one that Dracula has chosen, that effect is then canceled out. 
Otherwise, Dracula goes first and resolves his combat, and then the hunters go and resolve their combat card. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah, and, and compared to previous editions of the game, this is really where this one stretches its legs out, because this is the biggest change from second edition, and it's a welcome one. Because second edition had uh, a lot more of a random dice combat compared to this card one, where there's there's you know some specific percentages at play, and there's a, a bit of a bluffing game. Uh, it's not nearly as effective. This this is a very clever way to handle combat. Yeah, and Dracula has a lot of tricks. You know, Dracula can escape as a bat or do a lot of things to... If, if things look like they're going south, he can try to vamoose. And it's very annoying because, you know, it's like, oh, we might be able to kill Dracula, we might be able to kill Dracula. And you're like, yeah, you might be able to kill me. I'm, ba- I'm out. I'm a cloud of mist. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, I did do that to you all a couple times. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we're missing. No, it's, I mean, like, at, at its bare bones, that's the thing about this game, is it's very, very easy to learn. But there is so much depth in which card you choose for which opportunity. And then for the hunters, the depth is also in, in you know, deducing where Dracula is and what he's doing. Yeah, based off of his movement points. This is a truly, truly asymmetrical game. The Dracula player has different actions, different cards, different components, different everything. There is no similarity similarity between Dracula and the Hunters at all. Besides some symbols on the side of some cards. Yeah, and that's just for the canceling out. Yeah, that's just for the combat. So I remember when we were playing, you were you were telling us once we got on your trail, we were eerily good at, at tracking you down. Was that us playing well, or was that a function of the game? Like, is that how it's supposed to be played? I think it's a combination of both. Nice. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> on the one hand, on the one hand, the game is designed in such a way to to create that tension, right? And it's it's impeccably balanced in that respect because there aren't such a wealth of of choice that um, the Dracula player can disappear forever because that wouldn't be a fun game. No, and that's that's really a credit to the to the design of the game and how taut it is because the Dracula player is is never one hundred percent safe. There's never a scenario where you can be safe. Your trail is too long, and inevitably somebody's going to uh, you know get onto it whether whether you want them to or not now that being said you guys were playing impeccably uh, at the time too because i went through two major junctions where i could have gone and splintered off into any number of directions and you guys were guessing correctly every time <laughs> much to my chagrin yeah well so there's one thing the hunters can do that dracula can't do the the hunters can take the train and dracula cannot so on the map there's there's uh there's roads and then there's also train lines and the train lines don't go everywhere that the roads go, but they go most of it. What's nice about the trains is you can get train tickets and you can go between one and sometimes three squares on the trains, depending. And there's a white train network and a yellow train network. It's kind of like the Eastern Europe versus the Western Europe train networks. Generally the, the yellow Eastern European ones aren't quite as uh, you can't go quite as far in Eastern Europe versus Western Europe. It's really interesting because that's one of the ways we can catch up to you a little bit is we, we have the power of, of modern movement, I guess, versus, you know, Dracula's kind of old fashioned. He can only take the roads and the ship. But I dug that like, you know, it, it gave us. But is he taking the ship hurts? Taking the ship hurts Dracula. Crossing so you, running you, water, you my friend. Yeah, but you have to do it sparingly. See, Dracula has more hit points than anything else in the game. He starts with 15 hit points. But here's the thing. The only avenue for exit sometimes is water and water hurts you. And there are extremely limited ways to heal. Yeah, it's the castle, right? Like, that's the only one? Well, the, the castle, and then there's some cards that let you feed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The hunters have just a lot of ways to move around that map and, and check some boxes off. 
and yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like it's, it's really nice. I, I, I did enjoy that part of the game. I, I wish we w- had the time to play again. It's kind of a long game. It, it can be, it can be, it was all of our, you know, it was everyone except for me's first game. Yeah. And I was playing as Dracula. So I could only say so much. And that, that is a piece of advice I would give a- anybody playing this game. Find somebody who has played it before to be Dracula, because it takes a different mindset that only makes sense if you played as the hunters before. I could see that. Not going into it too deep, because although we got the website with, with the, the new one and the old one side by side. So how, how's the rule book, Jonathan? Well, based on what I saw in the new one, the new one seems to clean up a lot of the language in the old one. Not that there was anything wrong with it. I found the rule book to be pretty straightforward and, and good. I mean, you were using it to interpret rules as well, and it was your first play. What did you think? Uh, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have anything I, I could say good or ill about it, which I guess is, I guess is the best when nothing is yeah, so if you don't un- have a reason to complain about a rule book, then it's done its job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't think of a rule book where I'd like put it down. I'm like, that was the most riveting read I've ever had. My mind is expanded in, in horrible ways, cosmic horror ways from this knowledge I've gleaned from this yellow King rule book, you know, it, it, yeah. Truthfully, it is a compliment to a rule book that you don't notice it. In fact, when you said that, I flipped through it. I'm like, I was about to say, no, I didn't. I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think at this point we should mention what we've seen of the new components, because uh, it looks like from everything I'm seeing, like a lot of the art, even like on the rule books and on the box is very similar. And even the map, uh, the only thing no, that is identical. Yeah, the only thing that we're getting new so far, and, and given we haven't looked, actually physically looked at the new edition yet, so this is pure guesswork. But the well, only I thing, saw it at Gen Con. Okay, so, well, there you go. But the only thing uh, that's definitely new is WizKids is putting their WizKids minis in it, so they are going to become pre-painted. And the sculpts look cool, too. Yeah, they do. I do like the new sculpts. I do like the new sculpts. I mean, the game. The game's very pretty. I mean, I, even the last edition, you know, it's not like one of those games. I, how old is the last edition, anyway? two or three years oh that's not that bad yeah i mean it, it was pretty then it's not like it's like you know one of those games that hasn't aged well it's it's relatively new and it looks really nice even now so yeah it's it's fine and painted minis are gonna make it look sweet so uh i i got some opinions about the execution but but this is like my my way down the rabbit hole like dracula super fanboy stuff so do you have any problems with the execution jonathan no as a normal human being there's a reason this game is in my top five and it's because it's exquisitely balanced in in a very precarious position that makes both roles always exhilarating and it's uh, it's just it's so much fun the table talk between the hunters is always great it feels like you're working together as a team you cannot be an alpha gamer in this game it it just doesn't lend itself to it okay so i'm 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 a dracula nut job i i've read five different versions of that book at this point and what i found surprising and this game gets a lot of credit for this. I, I've read a lot of Dracula. I, I kind of understand sort of the rules of Dracula as set down on the book. And I was playing the game. And this is how I was guessing you, Jonathan. I was playing the game thinking about how I think Dracula would move based off the book in these situations. And that's how I was finding you. And for the fact that the game kind of like taps into the same headspace vibe I have when I'm reading those books about like the way Dracula behaves and it's represented on a board game in a really weird way like that. That's nuts. I'm going to take that as a compliment as well, by the way, because I also am a big Dracula fan and I've, I love, love Dracula, the book. Yeah. And I always try and play Dracula like it was a role playing game. 
But but the game lends itself. Like I, I'm playing him in a logical way at the same time. Yeah. Well, reading the book like served me well. Like just just kind of understanding how Dracula functions and just a lot of you know like Dracula can't you know Dracula doesn't cr- like crossing running water. So in the game he takes damage when he's out at sea, and you know just little stuff like that. There was like a lot of little stuff where my my understanding of the actual book helped out in oddly. You know, even with like the character Mina has like a psychic link with Dracula, which is also from the book because she got she got bit. You know, it, it's just it's a lot of little stuff like that is it's, it's just really well done. It was making the the Dracula fan in me happy. Now, there are, there are some like things where I'm like, as the Dracula super fan, I was wishing I was seeing one of which was there's a lot of locations that are in the book that aren't on the map. And I was like, why? You know, like, why is an Exeter and. Uh, Whitby and uh, Bistritz in there, you know, like I, I mean, maybe in real life they didn't have like roads and or train tracks going to them, but you know, who cares? Like, like put some locations in the book in there, but does, does that mean anything? No, I'm being a nut job right now. The other thing I really wish was in there was, and maybe, maybe with the cards being bigger, this is something I can do. I wish like magic, the gathering, they had flavor text because the Dracula novel is so quotable. It's so quotable. Like have quotes. There are cards with flavor text on the bottom. Like uh, a lot of Dracula's cards have it. Good. Good. The hunters, hunters need it too. Hunters need some love. And maybe cause I know the hunters cards are getting bigger in the new edition. So hopefully maybe, maybe they'll sort itself out. I, I, I just kind of, I, I kind of wish you know, uh, Van Helsing especially has some great lines in that book. And, and poor Quincy and Jonathan Harker, they always get cut out of everything, you know, and they got cut out of this game as well. But I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if they made like an expansion for this game where instead of having four fixed hunters, you just had to pick four hunters like pandemic style, you know, where all of them had slightly different powers based off of how you picked it. And they could still maintain that balance, you know, and they could put like Jonathan and Quincy in. And if they want to get real nuts, they can add in like Kate Reed and uh, Francis a town and all that. And you could like sort of pick and choose the four hunters that you are going and they all have different abilities. That'd be kind of fun. Well, and, and don't forget that the hunters do have uh, unique abilities. Right, right. Right. I'm just saying like if they added more of them in from the book, as an expansion i'd yeah. be i'd, be, I'd yeah. be down with that and if they wanted to pay money to the broker uh, the the stoker estate they could put in a, a new villain s of uh, elizabeth bathroy because she's in the uh the sequel novel the official unofficial sequel novel as as the big bad and like having a slightly different vampire to hunt could give some replayability to the game but and i was like yes the dracula super fan of me loves these things i just thought it was super cool that i was kind of following the the logic of the books and the logic of the books was serving me well because they made rules of on the board to represent that. I, I thought that was super cool. So yeah, the, the Dracula, the Dracula fan in me, even the super fan in me like wishes there was more, but like they got everything right that they needed to get right for me to be happy with it. Like uh, all of my, my like stuff is like nitpicky wish list stuff. Like why isn't the city of Exeter there? Blah. It's not like, well, and I think that's a testament to the game that you do have to nitpick. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. It is a compliment to the game. Like, the only thing I can think of is super dumb, nitpicky stuff that I shouldn't be saying out loud because it just makes me look silly. Uh, This game's great. I like this game a lot. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) And you didn't seem to spike out too much. No, well, uh, like I said, I, I I had, you know, comrades, and we're supposed to hate you. You're you're freaking Dracula. You eat people. That's fair. I'll allow that. So, the sweet spot for this game is five players. (laughs) <laughs> without a doubt without a doubt because one player playing dracula you have the four hunters we only had four players so i ended up getting volunteered to play uh, uh mina and uh, dr seward which was fine it wasn't too hard even on, on my first playthrough managing two characters but yeah it, it it'd be better with four people on the table i mean it just would be regardless you can play it with two but it means like you, you were telling me when you were a kid you're, you're, you're always going to want to play with all four hunters yeah 
Well, you have to play with all four hunters, which means if it's a two-player game, one person's Dracula and one person is all four hunters, which is just a lot to juggle, I think. But that's why that's why the sweet spot is five. Other than that, Jonathan, and I, I think I already answered this question, but uh, wh- wh- what do you think, sir? Is the game fun to play? There's a reason this game has been in my top five for as long as it has, and that's because it is. It is supremely fun to play. It's fun to play as both roles, too, and that's really neat. I always struggle to find things I don't like about this game because I like every aspect of it. I mean, no game is perfect, but this is the perfect game for me. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I love everything about it, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. And as far as Halloween games go, the best part about this game is just how steeped in the lore and how thematic it is. I mean, it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant game. The original design just shines through at all times, and it's amazing that over the years, all they've had to do are, are just relatively minor tweaks to keep it pertinent. It's great. It's great in every way. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Again, uh, the only the only complaints I could have are, are super duper nitpicky and don't mean anything. Like if they changed a couple words on the map, it like I'd uh, you know that 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 fixes my my things. Like why is an Exeter there? And it's like well they could you know it could be letters on a map is like my only complaint I can think of. <laughs> like that's that's yeah no the game the game is super duper fun. It I really liked the the hunting aspect because I, I i'm a man without a calling if if vampires were real jonathan oh my gosh would i love to hunt vampires and and this game was like really scratching that itch of like of like you know finding the clues and hunting things down i i dug it it was it was good fun it was great fun i'm so happy i got to play that game i've wanted to play it forever and shame on you shame on you for not letting me play it sooner that's on you well, and more importantly, does you it go, live you up go to in the your hype? Corner. Uh, uh, you go in your corner, you cry, you sob silently. I do cry. I sob silently every time I see it on the shelf and not reach up for it. <laughs> but, I mean, you tell me, does it live up to the hype? Because I talk about this game pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, no, it lived up to the hype. I mean, it, Given I'm, I'm kind of a Dracula super fan, and I like vampire hunting to death, so it have to it have to screw up pretty bad for me to to not like it. But yeah, it it I was not expecting it to be the Dracula vampire hunter experience it turned out to be and the fact that it it kind of like me thinking about the novels and understanding that made the game easier was amazing. You know? Like I I mean just just straight up it was great. I I I can't I they they just nailed that. They just nailed that. It's it's a great game. It's worth it's it's sixty bucks MSRP from WizKids whenever it comes out sometime soon. Well worth it. Like if you if you have a group of five five ish people who meets regularly, like yeah, just get it. It's a great little game. Yeah, and and let me tell you, for whatever reason, this game has struggled to stay in print. Every edition of the game has disappeared off shelves, uh, and and I don't know why it happens. Just if you're at all interested in this form of game, pick it up. Because you never know when it's going to come around again. Yeah. Well, it's probably because it's good and people keep buying it. Silly people buying the good It game. is. It always sells out. Every time a new edition comes out, it sells out. And then it'll just disappear into the night for a while. Like Dracula. That's like Christopher Lee Dracula right there. And then like WizKids came and like got his ashes and spilled blood on him and reincarnated him again. <laughs> Which is fine by me. Keep reincarnating it. Yeah. Here, 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 here. So Fury of Dracula will be available soon again in a new printing from WizKids. It's going to be $59.99, and in my estimation, that is a must-buy. I cannot tell you enough how much I love this game. Here, here. Well, Robert, 
That unfortunately brings us to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Number 49 is in the books, my friend. Once again, we always ask you, join us on all of our digital domains. Episode 50 is coming up quick. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions. Make it happen. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you and just general feedback. Come join us for a game, for crying out loud. We're playing games now. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, as always, Robert, any final thoughts? I'm the host this week, sir. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, man, I got to get off the suit of hell. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. We have roles to play, and I am not in my correct role, and it, it feels weird. It feels like I'm wearing somebody else's coat. No, hot mess party one right over here. Yeah, yeah, you are. Do you think you could say words about Timothy Dalton? Or did we get that all out last time? <sighs> He's a god amongst men. <laughs> <laughs> and i love his suit in um oh for crying out loud i can't even dude dude name. here hold up hold it stop the press back the truck up fury of dracula expansion penny dreadful so you so you have timothy dalton's character as a new hero and then the big bads from the first couple of seasons are new vampires that you can track that would be awesome wouldn't it and then we'd have Timothy Dalton. And thus, the circle comes to a close. I need a Timothy Dalton mini in my life. There has to be. Oh, I, I bet you I know the company. <laughs> oh, shoot. What are they called? Is it Clockwork? I think I got this. I think I got this. I would love to have a Timothy Dalton mini in my game. Yeah, there's this, uh, there's this company. Uh, I, I forget who it is. I'll have to go looking for him again. I think next time I play a role-playing game, I'm going to make Timothy Dalton. <laughs> And I also want to point out that you're the reason we're back on Timothy Dalton, not me, not the Sudafed kid. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'll have to look it up. There, there's, a, there's a miniature company that they, they make totally not like Doctor Who and a whole bunch of just British everything minis. And they, I think they're clockwork. I'll, I'll have to go. I'll, I'll look. I'll look. If I can find a Timothy Dalton mini, I will, I will let you and our, our rabid listeners find, know. I think that's Do you it. Have anything else? Yeah, no, play that us out. your final thought. That, it's your final thought, sir. I'm just going to say it, man. There's only one thing left. Party on. Party on, Jonathan. <laughs> I almost said party on, man. <laughs> what the hell, man? I really do need to get off the suit, but... Yeah, you do. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. 